So we're not starting off tonight hating on Group of Five. We're hey, live, by the way. I'm going to hate on the ACC. You hate on the ACC. You can hate on the Pac-2. There will be no Group of Five hate on this podcast. <laughs> None of them have a chance to ever win the championship, despite well, what I mean, Nick Pretty thinks. But there will be no hate on this podcast. Uh, ACC has a chance. I mean, FSU ACC and Clemson are okay. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, are they? Most of them are. See, this is... <laughs> they <laughs> might as well be. You remove Clemson and FSU. Who do you have left? Oh, no. Well, yeah, if you take those two out, I, I would yeah, say... Yeah, it's basically a group of five. Well, if you take those two out, I would say this conference is not... I, I would say it's not as good as the Big 12. The newly assembled Big 12. It's not nearly as good. Um, without Even, those two. What, so with, with those two, you think it's better than the Big 12? Yeah, absolutely. The ACC is two potential championship contenders this year. It, yeah. And I'd say one dark horse. Big 12 I don't has a handful any, of... I don't think anybody in the Big... Well, I mean, Big 12 this year, maybe Texas makes a run up. But I'm saying like yeah. the newly assembled Big 12. Okay, I don't really think there state. is a team capable of getting to the playoff this year. Of course, okay. TCU did it last year, but I know, right? We didn't. Yeah. Honestly, they shouldn't have, but that's okay. No, they should not have. Um, okay, so let's kept, talk about this. Kept wishing they were going to lose a game. I know. Um, so I did too. Every week, you and I kept coming on here talking about TCU's going to lose, and then it wouldn't happen. <laughs> so, anyways, ridiculous, um, ridiculous stuff. Let's chat a little bit about this realignment stuff. And we are going to do our ACC preview today, which I am stoked about. We're going to talk about my Duke Blue Devils. Um, I've got about uh, 2,000 Virginia Tech fans that I know are watching since they um, I'm their now favorite co uh, host of any podcast, thanks to mm -hmm. our segment from a few weeks ago. Yep, so we're talking about that. Yeah, talk about Virginia Tech. Um, and I think the top of the ACC is probably the best it's been in a long time. I think you've got three, maybe four really potential teams that could win it. I think you've got two teams that look like they're going to run the tables. It's going to be a lot of fun, but this realignment stuff kind of took center stage last week, didn't it, Ben? And I think it's interesting. We saw in front of our eyes we saw a conference with a ton of history, a ton of tradition, completely uh, fall apart. It will be no more. Um, it, it may be they may be called the Pac-12 and essentially move a bunch of Mountain West teams into the conference. So essentially merge. Maybe they'll be called the Pac-12, but this is not going to be the Pac-12. It's not happening anymore. No, it was historically now. Yeah, it's it's over. You're down to four teams. It's over. And, you know, I've been a big fan of realignment. I think it's been extremely entertaining the past several years, um, really the past decade or so. But I'm not I can't say I'm crazy about the direction we're headed in. Um, I think there's a lot of things, a lot of decisions being made based on solely football and basketball entertainment value. And I think it's going to have an impact far beyond that, and it won't all be positive. Um, so I was perusing Twitter uh, yesterday. Oh, it's and, not called Twitter anymore. Oh, X. It's perusing yeah. X. Which, by the way, if you subscribe to X, 
And on your bank account, it shows that you have an $8 subscription to X premium. You're going to get questions from your significant other. Now, I'm not, I do not subscribe to X, but I saw somebody else on Twitter complaining about this. It's very interesting. Great job, Elon. Yes. On that note, um, I saw this video from Missouri head coach Eli Drinkwitz, and I thought I would play it um, because, A, I figured out how to do something new technology-wise, which is a feat in and of itself, and B, I think what he says here is incredibly on point. So let's let's do this, and let's hope I don't mess it up. All right, I'm going to say it. I thought the transfer window – I thought the portal was closed. Um, oh, that's just for the student athletes. The adults in the room get to do whatever they want, apparently. And it's, um, you know, it's just sad that there's, um, look, I, I, my question is, did we count the cost? I'm not talking about a financial cost. I'm talking about, did we count the cost for the student athletes involved in this decision? What cost is it to those student athletes? We're talking about a football decision they based off football, but what about softball and baseball who have to travel cross country? Do we ask about the cost of them? Do we know what the number one indicator of uh, of symptom of or cause of mental health is? It's lack of rest and sleep. Traveling in those baseball softball games, you know, those those people they travel commercial, they get done playing at four, they gotta go to the airport, they come back, it's three or four in the morning, they gotta go to class. I mean, did we ask any of them? Are we going to look back? I, I don't worry at all about the game. The game is going to be strong. Football's going to be fine. We'll all figure it out. But did we consider the people that we are entrusted with? Did we consider the student athlete? Because so we don't need to play the whole thing. But I think everybody kind of gets the picture from that. That there are other people, other factors. Um, at play with this beyond just football and basketball yet this decision was made based on football and basketball i can't tell if ben is that bug-eyed or if he is frozen either way it's amazing and i hope it doesn't change um (laughs) but you know i'm listening to Colin Cowherd earlier in the week and i've been a big fan of Cowherd for a long long time and Cowherd's talking about how this doesn't really impact anything. It's going to be the same eight teams going to the champ or going to the playoffs. So why do we care? And that point of view, that perspective, I think comes from somebody who has not been in, in part of college athletics for about 15 years. Like Coward used to kind of be the voice of the West coast for college football. And it was amazing. And now he's gone all in on NFL and NBA, and that's fine. Nothing wrong with that. But that just felt completely out of touch to the bigger picture. And when you think about NIL, what really just makes me so red in the face is that we were told past five, six, seven years from guys like Jay Billis, if you didn't support NIL, you were anti-player. You couldn't have any other opinion. You couldn't have any other thought about it. Either you wanted pay players to get paid or you were anti-player and i want to tell you right now this is a result of players getting paid 
And it's not so much that players shouldn't get paid. It's that you have to consider that there's a lot of nuance to this. And the NCAA has gotten a lot of hate. Some of it, I think they deserve, (laughs) quite frankly. (laughs) I think Ben would agree with that. They've Mm -hmm. deserved a lot of it. But I also think, too, I'd rather not be in those rooms making those decisions because only part of that decision is going to get attention from the media. But the reality is, is one decision is going to impact about 30 different sports, not named football or basketball. And what happened over the week is now players at Oregon, softball players at Oregon were told, hey, you're going to have a conference series at Penn State. Softball players at Washington or volleyball players at Washington were told you're going to have a conference series against Ohio State. Oh, you came here because you wanted your parents to watch you play. You wanted to give your family an opportunity to watch. And by the way, a lot of those players, they aren't going pro. Their last four years of college, that's it. That will be their career in that sport. And so their family's opportunity to watch them play, this is it. So now you're going to put them in a conference that's across four time zones. Now that sounds great on TV for football, but what are you going to do with lacrosse? And what are you going to do with swimming and golf and all of these other sports that have now been affected by this decision? And I don't think it's fair to them. And I don't think it's fair that the only people making these decisions are people at the headquarters of Fox and ESPN. Because ultimately, Ben, it's not Big Ten and SEC anymore. It's you're either in the Fox conference or you're in the ESPN conference. That's what Mm. this has become. Right? (laughs) Pretty much. So, yeah, I mean, I think the realignment stuff is going to have a fun entertainment value. Yes, I am looking forward to watching Ohio State in Washington in a early September game. That is going to be a blast. But I really feel for the kids who over the week were told their in-state rivalry between Oregon and Oregon State, it doesn't matter anymore. It's done. What Their families getting to watch them compete multiple times a year it's down to maybe once or twice a year. They don't get to do that anymore. All because of TV money for football and basketball. And I think it's, quite frankly, I think it's wrong that those decisions were made. And when we say this is an amateur sport, this is what we all meant by it. College sports is not meant to have these big contracts. Now, if you're 18 and you want to go make a bunch of money, that's great. Go pro. Don't come into college. But don't come into college and then tell me that a program is you're a slave to a program that's making millions of money off of your back. That's not true. There are advantages to being a collegiate athlete that others do not get. And I'll never forget, Ben, like when I was um, in college, my freshman year, I interned that summer with a lawyer. Right. Okay. Yep. Make any money. Did Mm -hmm. the lawyer possibly make money off of my work probably so i I don't know if i was any value to that lawyer i I, was definitely what determined i never wanted to be a lawyer Mm -hmm. (laughs) probably wasn't super good at it well (laughs) but value additive to both exactly but regardless i didn't make any money i didn't expect to make any money and i got a valuable learning experience and i made a friend out of it so it wasn't the end of the world 
Um, I, I don't think everybody needs to be paid for every little thing that they do in college, even if it provides value. I think some things there is beauty in things that aren't monetary, and it's okay that college players, when they're 18, 19, 20 years old, don't make everything off of their name, image, and likeness. I know that seems a little bit counterintuitive, but at the same time, look at the people that are being impacted by this. And the more money we've had come into the sport, the more professional it's gotten and the more it's going to hurt people who had no opportunity to compete at a professional level. So there's my soapbox, Ben. And I've got one big proposal that would work for football to fix all of this, but I'm going to give you a minute here to give me your thoughts. Yeah. So look, the realignment, I don't think is terrible. Uh, Honestly, do you enjoy NFL football? I do. Well, we are getting closer and closer to having an NFL style type of competition within college yeah. football. And actually, because of the is going to mirror a lot of what the NFL looks like. Yeah, good. I mean, that's that's the direction we're headed. Look, you've right. got you've got. NFL, where they have CBS, NBC, and Fox. And now you've got college football being Fox and ESPN, right? So it's it's basically TV rights rule the world in this stuff, and that's fine. But you can still make it incredibly competitive within the sport itself and yeah. give your players the best chance to be seen, one, to make it to the next level, two, for those that won't to actually have the ability to compete within a collegiate level. I mean, that's, that's ultimately what the goal is here. It's college athletes who are getting an education competing at a collegiate level. Exactly. Yeah. The, the goal, the, the spirit of college sports is not go to Duke. If you're a basketball player and make millions of dollars, the, yeah. Spirit of college athletics is if you are a really talented basketball player, you can get a free education at a premier university like Duke. And oh, by the way, you're going to get really, really good coaching, and which will enable your professional career. But if the professional yeah. career doesn't work out, here is this amazing opportunity. You have a Duke degree, right? But Same also these players, football player, like, Heck, the, the players on the West Coast, yeah, I get it. The Oregon-Oregon State rivalry is a thing that is not necessarily as big as it was in the past. But quite frankly, I know a lot of Oregon fans, and they cared more about playing Washington than they did Oregon State. They didn't care about that game as much. Uh, but I will tell you that a lot of people from Oregon haven't necessarily been to Pennsylvania. They haven't been to Ohio. They haven't been to Michigan. They haven't been to Wisconsin. These players are going to have the ability to travel unlike they've ever had before because of the ability for them to now play a series or a game in another state. And yet, Which I, I get it. Classes are tough and it's hard to travel, especially cross country. Right. But it's also an experience in college that you're never going to have again. That's incredible. Well, I, I think if you are a football player and you're traveling six times a year, it's one thing. I think if you are, and I don't know how many games they play in softball. I know in baseball they play 30. But in that scenario, you're traveling, what, 12 to 15 times in a year? 
Um, and that's that's just travel for the games. That doesn't include what you're going to travel for for training and other things like that. Why is Drinkowitz the one who's like angry about this too? I, I think it's interesting. I, I, Missouri I don't has been in the SEC for years, and they're in the middle yeah. of the friggin' country. <laughs> they have to travel well, for every game. <laughs> well, yes, no, he. But the thing is, is Missouri went to the SEC before he went there. Yeah. So I, I don't think like I think it'd be one thing if Missouri came into the SEC like two years ago, and but he everyone was, like, else is just following suit. That Texas A&M and Missouri started this. They are the two that started this. Well, yeah, that that is true, but it, but again, uh, I think if Eli Drinkwitz was, I think if Missouri was in the Big Twelve, and Eli Drinkwitz is the head coach, I don't think he's leading the charge to get Missouri into the SEC. Like, I think if you no. go back to then, and he was their head coach then, I think yeah. it's a, I think it would have played out differently. So I, but I don't, it's just, it's I don't take anything away from it. Well. But see, I think it'd be hypocrisy if it's like the Missouri AD. But Eli wasn't part of that when they came over to the SEC, is what I'm saying. Yeah, he still represents the one of the key does, yeah. key expansion teams that he started does. everything. Um, so here's my proposal, and Ben, like my proposals, this will fix college football. Let's do it. Yeah. So what we need is a 20 team. SEC and a 20 team Big Ten. Just like in the NFL, you have a 16 team NFC and a 16 team AFC. And let's name right? it the Big 20. Do it. Go for it. Yeah. Or whatever else you want to call it. But Big I, Ten. I don't care. Go American and National. Go AFC, NFC of college. I don't care. <laughs> it hasn't been 10 teams since. Right. I can't remember the last time. Right. So we have a 20-team SEC and a 20-team Big Ten. Now, the rest of the Power Five teams all go into the Big 12, into one big conglomerate. Okay. okay. Love it. They all go into the Big 12. The Big 12 is going to have a commissioner that will schedule games for that entire conglomerate. Okay. Now, the SEC and the Big Ten are going to have a 12-team playoff to determine who the national champion is. Okay. So every year you have 40 teams competing to become the national champion. The big 12 is going to have, or whatever we end up calling them. Okay. Mm -hmm. I think the big easy would be a really cool name, but <laughs> so the big 12 is going to have a 16 team playoff. Okay. Now the last place team in the sec and the last place team in the big 10 are going to get relegated to the Big 12. And the top two in the Big 12 will get promoted, one to the SEC, one to the Big 10, so don't get odd numbers in either of the conferences. Okay, And just like currently, the ESPN is going to get SEC, Fox is going to get Big 10, and then on the Big 12 games, every media outlet, even Amazon, NBC, all of them, they can bid on the individual Big 12 games. Right. So if you've got a big 12 game between central Florida and Oklahoma state, maybe you want to bid a ton of money on that. Right. If you're Amazon, you get a premier big 12 game. Right. And then how we determine who's top two in the big 12 is whoever ends up in that championship game together. Both of those teams are going to get promoted and maybe you let like 
whoever wins the championship pick which conference they want to then go into something like that right um and somebody asked what happens to group of five because i I proposed this on twitter i don't have all the answers i don't know what you do with group of five maybe they have their own playoff separate from all this I, i don't know um but i think this solves for all of it and then somebody else asked what about the balls Thank God somebody asked me that question because I've only had this idea for the better part of a decade, which Ben knows about. Every one of those bowl games move to the start of the next season. I want you guys to understand something. Labor Day weekend is coming up at the start of September, and that will kick off college football. Okay. LSU and FSU are going to play on Sunday night in Orlando. I want you to imagine you have eight more games just like that and then 30 more games that are all extremely entertaining and all happening at neutral sites, okay? That Saturday, I'm going to be in Charlotte at North Carolina, South Carolina, and I'm going to go to College Game Day. Now, you know why I can do that? Because it's Labor Day weekend and everybody gets an extra day. You know when I absolutely cannot do that? the day after Christmas. I cannot convince my wife the day after Christmas to go up to Detroit, Michigan for what used to be called the Meineke Car Care Bowl. She (laughs) will not go with me the day after Christmas to freezing Detroit, Michigan. But she would do it Labor Day weekend. I guarantee you we could get up there if one of our, like if a team we like is playing, right? So move the bowls to the start of the season. Okay. Any closing thoughts on that, Ben? You like my idea or you hate it? I love it. As an SEC fan, let's uh, relegated tomorrow. Let's take all of the conferences: twenty SEC, twenty formerly Big Ten. Put them together. You have two twenty-team superpowers. You kill bowl games all together. No one cares anyway. Yes. You have playoff games that go through the last month of the season. You actually have important games throughout the entire season. Maybe even cut the season down. You know, you don't have to have 12 games in a season. You can do 9, 10 games and then go into a, a playoff season. And if you don't make it, well, then maybe you should be better. <laughs> and then have those teams. So when you said the uh, the Big 12, do you, do you have like a final matchup of yeah. the former Big 12? Versus yeah, you, the... you still have a championship game. And I mean, just like... The bowls right now, I mean, they're meaningless in terms of competitiveness, but there's a big payout to them. Yeah. I mean, there's tons more games if you have a few different playoffs. Yeah. Especially with the big payoff going into a massive. I think the incentive is is you get to pick which conference you go to. Mm Mm-hmm. And then it's kind of cool, too, the matchups that would happen at the beginning of the season because you'd have cross-pollination you wouldn't typically oh, have. absolutely yeah i mean you have alabama michigan week one boom insane yeah and you you have to take a lot of pressure off of that first game at that point because mm-hmm. yeah. in today's world the first for alabama their first like four games are going to be warm-up games right well, they play this I, year? I think what they played it would duke create... one year is one of their like big kickoff games or whatever yeah, they did. Actually, it was a close game at halftime. Alabama crushed them <laughs> a second. But, um, 
you know, I think what it would create. So like NASCAR, Ben, which I know you're not a big NASCAR fan, but NASCAR starts off their season with kind of like their Super Bowl, right? They start off with the Daytona 500. I think this would create something similar. Everybody every year is going to look forward to week one start of the college football season. It would be the craziest thing ever. Imagine if on a 3.30 window, you have Alabama, Michigan, you have Ohio State, Tennessee, and you've got Georgia, USC, all playing at the same time. Be nuts. You, you, wouldn't, you would not want to leave your house. You'd have to get the, uh, what's it where you have like all the different, maybe red zone? Yeah, it, you'd have to do red you'd zone have for a red college zone. football. Yeah. It'd be nuts. Yeah. It, oh, that would be insane to have a red zone like that. Yeah. I'm a big fan of it. All right. You ready to talk ACC? Oh, yeah. All right. So I'm going to throw a stat out there that's going to absolutely blow your mind. You're never going to guess who this is. Okay. There is. Hold on. Let me find this first. ACC, the lack of athletic conference. That is not true. Hold on a second. I had this put up early. Where did this go? All right, Ben, you start talking about something. I'm pulling something okay, up that so is going to blow your mind. We Next week, we're going to cover the Pac-2, formerly known as the Pac-12, yes. formerly known as the Mountain West. And uh, it's going to be very interesting. Okay, but I've got if it. If you think about the history of the ACC, it was the Big East that became the ACC. And right now, the ACC is two teams and a bunch of trash. That's true. Okay, there is only one school in the ACC to average over 30 points per game in each of the last six years. Do you Ooh. know who it is? This is going to blow your mind. Wake Forest. Oh, my God. No way. Yeah. What? They've had a high-powered offense. Hold on. Last week, we got to minute 20. Uh -huh. in, in ranking the Big 12 teams, Ben says, let me pull up my list and then <laughs> forgot to include Houston in his off-the-cuff list of teams that he admitted were ranked by color, scheme, and logo. And then <laughs> this week, I, I do all this research. I find the most incredible stat ever. One team in the ACC to average over 30 points per game in each of the last six years. And I thought for sure Ben was going to throw out Clemson or even Miami or UNC. And immediately he throws out Wake Forest. That's right, isn't it? It is right. I, I bet the over on Wake Forest many, many times because they constantly like, oh, they always crush it. Statistically, yeah. they, they lose games, a lot of them, but they score a lot of points too. Last year, they only had two games where they scored less than 31 points. Both were on the road, by the way. Both were on the road. Um, I am floored that you knew that, Ben. Thank you, sir. Look at that. that I can do something amazing. every once in a while. Right. Well, look, kudos to I've Ben. Earned, I've earned my fourth string today. Kudos to Ben. I, I, when I saw this, I thought there's no way this is true. And I went researching and found <laughs> it. And uh, anyways, Ben absolutely crushing it. Okay. Let's go one through 14. We always do this part quick. Uh, ben, give me your ACC rankings. Or do you have them pulled up yet? I yeah, mean, I you know there's random off-the-cuff staff about Wake Forest, but do you have your rankings? I have the power rankings, baby. 
Okay. So, by All the right. way, these rankings, I want to clear something up because I had this question come up last week. This is our prediction of how we think these teams will end up in the year. Okay. And the reason it's that is because I think scheduling is really, really important when it comes to making these predictions. And I don't like to rank teams without throwing in the schedule. So without further ado, Ben, go ahead. Cool, cool. All right, number one, Clemson Tigers. They deserve it. They've been the best team in the ACC for the past decade. They are still the best team. They're the team to beat. They are not great as far as it goes with a national competition. Not likely. But they're still the team to beat. Right behind them, Florida State. So Florida State has a lot, a lot going for them right now. Uh, Mike Norvell has done an incredible job. Uh, Jordan Travis is their quarterback. Trey Benson, running back, top wide receiver, Johnny Wilson. They're going to have a really solid offense. They have a pretty decent defense. They had a really good year last year. Look out for Florida State, a contender. Now, after those two, kind of drop off the map. Everyone else is like, meh. Uh, after that, I've got to put UNC. Um, sorry, CJ. No, you don't like them. Uh, the main reason for this is their coach. Uh, former Texas coach is uh, still over there. Matt also, Brown. I think, thank you. Couldn't remember his name, but I know his face. Uh, also, I think uh, Team Chizik is still over there, right? Yeah, he is a like a defensive analyst. I think yeah. is what he is. Actually, there's a lot of former Auburn connections over there from that championship team. Yeah, and then Chip Lindsey's over there now too, yep. right? Yep. So look, they're they're going to be pretty good. They've got a uh, Drake May at quarterback, and I expect North Carolina to compete, even though. It won't be like North Carolina was a couple of years ago. Yep. Uh, after that, NC State, pretty decent team. Uh, new coordinators coming in. Uh, they have a quarterback battle, but last year they were good. They were returning quite a few starters, so feel good about NC State. After that, Duke. So, uh, look, Blue Devils moving up. When you have Duke in the Not top five of the year. ACC – you realize that the ACC is. Listen, there you no, go. <laughs> no, no backhanded compliment crap from you, Benjamin. <laughs> go to number six. I've had enough of that. Number six, Louisville. Uh, there you go. Louisville's number six. <laughs> Fantastic <laughs> analysis. Uh, there you go that was the analysis from ben miami at uh number seven um tyler van dyke is back at quarterback they have a new coordinator uh they averaged 23.6 points a game last year uh there's some analysis there we go there you go look at that some statistics myro cristobal is in his second year i feel like he's been there forever um, Why? they've also been trash. I don't know. Just because I don't feel like he does anything except for like recruit and then not okay. win games. No, I, I don't so, think he's a good coach. I don't feel like he's been there forever. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I, people think Miami is on the up and up. 
I don't prove think it so. to me. Prove it to me, Mario. No. You have them rated higher than I do. Keep going. Uh, number eight, Pitt. Um, they have a new quarterback. They have some playmakers. The running back is ooh, 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 ooh. I can't pronounce this. Let's see. You could have summed us up with "There you go." <sighs> no, I really want to say this guy's name. Oh my god, this is where. The podcast goes off the rails. I know. So when Ben starts saying, I really want to say his name. There's okay. a famous ODU tight end. That there is. I'm going to skip it. I'm going to skip it so that I don't say something bad. All right. Going on. Uh, number nine, Wake Forest, the team that scores a lot of points, 30 plus points a game. Hold on. Who, who are you struggling to say? The pit running back? No. The quarterback? The that, what? The it's, quarterback? The quarterback is Phil Jerkovic. There we go. Phil Jerkovic. I get it. Fifth time's the charm. (laughs) Jerkovic. Whatever. (laughs) (laughs) It was close enough. All right, Wake Forest. Did you say Jerkovic? I don't know. Go back and listen to the tape. I told you I wasn't going to say it. And you made me. This is this is abuse. Well, the, only because you're like, oh, I really want to say it. Like a nervous tick. Like, ah, oh, I really got to get this out. I I cannot pronounce names, especially okay. weird names. No, I, I love it. It's what makes our podcast great. Perfect. Okay, who's next? I it said not, quick and like we're eight minutes into it. It was not Koontz this time. So winning. Uh, like, yeah. <laughs> Wake Forest number nine. All right, I'm just going to go blow through these. Uh, Syracuse. Syracuse is about Virginia Tech because Virginia Tech sucks. Yep. Syracuse number 10, Virginia Tech 11, Georgia Tech 12, Boston College 13, and ending it, the team that loves to double dribble in basketball, UVA. Ooh, Ben taking a shot. All right. Here's my 1 through 14. Um, And Ben and I are going to start off identical. Clemson 1, Florida State 2. I will say this. Today, what is today? August... August 6th. All right. August 6th, 2023. I believe Florida state is a better team than Clemson. I do. The only thing Clemson does better than Florida state is Will Shipley. That is it. Okay. And win games. Well, no, not, not unless they have Deshaun Watson or Trevor Lawrence as their quarterback. You take those guys out and they are constantly nine and three, 10 and two. Hmm. And they ain't got those guys this year. So, Here's the thing, though. Florida State's going to play at Clemson. And I don't think Florida State will win at Clemson. Now, I do think, and this is my conference championship prediction, is Clemson and Florida State, obviously. I do think neutral site, Florida State likely beats them, barring some injury. But that team today is better. Number three, I've got UNC. And I think they are a dark horse to get into the title. I really want to talk about them later in the podcast, Ben. Um, Drake May, I think he's the best. And yes, I know Caleb Williams exists. I think Drake May is the best pro prospect right now in college football. Across every position. I think he is going to be a star at the NFL level. And that is very painful for me to say. Number four. (laughs) 
I have Duke. Now, I will say this about Duke. I have them at number four. Their schedule is way tougher than last year, and I don't think they can do much better than nine wins this year. But I think they're going to be really, really good. They have the best quarterback-receiver combo in the conference. Number five is Pitt. And really, honestly, it's just because it doesn't matter what you give Pat Narduzzi. He is going to produce a winning team. So he brings in the Boston College quarterback, Phil Jerkovich, um, though Ben's pronunciation was so much better than mine. Um, and this defense is always going to be competitive. They force turnovers. Um, I think Pitt could make a run at the championship like they could every year. Number six is NC State. NC State's losing some players. Um, we're going to talk about them later, but they are losing some players, and I think they're going to take a bit of a step back but still be competitive. Seven is Louisville. Um, Louisville, uh, which is coached by Jeff Brom, the former coach over at Purdue, and offensive coordinator is Brian Brom. Both of them were quarterbacks at Louisville. Somehow there is a connection to, I think, somebody in their family babysat sat me at one time or another. I don't know. it. You have to ask my mom. But there is something between the Brahms and my family. Um, she'll probably text me while we're doing the podcast. Um, nice. Telling me about it. But Louisville at number seven. I think Louisville, if you look at that roster, Ben, it is a hodgepodge of talent, really talented players that could be amazing this year or they could have trouble finding some chemistry. Number eight is Miami bringing back some players, but I don't think Mario Cristobal is the guy. He had a losing record at Florida international, uh, which is also by the way, close to Miami had a losing record at Florida international goes to Oregon performed at expectations. Didn't blow anybody away. They performed at expectations and then, Miami pays them a gazillion dollars and brings over a bunch of coordinators and it doesn't work year one. I don't think it's going to work year two. Um, we'll talk about them. I don't think Tyler Van Dyke is that great of a quarterback. I think he's been way overhyped and I think Miami is going to completely fall off the rails this year. Number nine is Wake Forest. Similar to Pitt every year, we know what um, we know what Dave Clawson at Wake Forest is going to give us. They're going to be a power team. Uh, that is capable of throwing the football. Um, they're going to have a very good defense. They force turnovers. They play smart football. It's not sexy, but they win a lot of games. Number 10, and Ben, you're going to like this one. I think Georgia Tech is going to be at number 10. And if you want to know who could do what Duke did last year, keep an eye on Georgia Tech. Their quarterback Haynes King comes over from Texas A&M. <laughs> he didn't. Nobody had Georgia Tech winning two or three games last year. They fire their coach in the middle of the year, and the interim comes in and takes them to five and seven. That was on nobody's radar. Mm -hmm. Nobody. And this year they bring back a ton of players. I think Georgia Tech could be a little bit under the radar most of the year. 11th is Boston College. I could see Boston College overperforming as well. They've got 17 returning starters. They're going to be good. I just don't think they have enough talent to really compete with the top tier of the conference. Number 12 is Virginia Tech. Um, Virginia Tech, they got to figure out the quarterback situation. They just got to figure out the offense. There is... I watched this team play four games last year. They have, and, and it, I watched them at the start of the year, watched them at the end of the year. They never had an identity 
on offense. No identity whatsoever. I don't think that bodes well. And I'll tell you this, too, about Virginia Tech, because this is something else. Anytime you bring over a defensive coordinator or any coordinator, always watch how does that team perform on that side of the ball. And if you watched Virginia Tech last year, West Virginia, who was not good, put up 33 points on them. North Carolina put up 41. Pitt, 45. Georgia Tech, 28. Um, Duke, 24. And Liberty, who Virginia Tech upset, it's crazy that that even has to be said, still put up 22 on them at the tail end of Hugh Freeze's uh, season where he was already on the way out and Liberty couldn't figure out who their quarterback was. So the defense from Virginia Tech was bad last year. I think that should be a concern, so I don't think they're going to be great this year. 13th is Syracuse. This will be Dino Babers last year, which we'll talk about later. 14th, I have UVA. Tony Elliott's not the guy there. UVA, I mean, just look at the roster. It doesn't compare to most rosters of mid-major teams. It's another hodgepodge of guys, kind of like Louisville is, but it's a hodgepodge of guys who aren't even talented. It's not a good football team. And if you look at UVA's schedule, because we're going to end on UVA, Ben, there is a legitimate chance UVA could go 0-12 this year. Yep. They start off. They start off their season with a neutral site game against Tennessee. Neutral site meaning it's in Nashville. They're going to play (laughs) JMU at home. JMU's A going to have more fans than UVA will, and JMU probably has a better team right now. Then UVA is going to go at Maryland. I think Maryland crushes them. Maryland's got a good offense. Both you and I like them. Then they're going to play NC State. That is also, by the way, back-to-back games on Friday nights. I don't know why they think they're a high school. Maybe it's because their talent isn't that much better than one, but whatever. They're going (laughs) to lose to NC State. Then they're going to play at Boston College. I think that's a loss. Then they get a break with William and Mary, who is not a bad FCS team. They were in the playoffs last year. They get a bye, and then after their bye, at North Carolina, at Miami, Georgia Tech at home, at Louisville, Duke at home, and then they're going to end the year with Virginia Tech, which if Virginia Tech, if Brent Pry is the guy, Virginia Tech should be better later in the year than early in the year. Ben, I, I looked at the schedule. The only game I don't have circled as a automatic loss, automatic loss for UVA is home against William and Mary. I think yep. they lose every other game. Yep. I think you're right. That's why they're in the bottom of my <laughs> ACC. They are the worst of the worst. Yeah. Uh, you hate to see it, but you really love it. And Who is your surprise contender? Surprise contender? Uh, I would say UNC. Okay. Uh, just because I don't think they have really a chance, but they seem to be putting all the pieces together to be competitive. And there's not a ton of hype around them this year. Not that I've no. been hearing. There's been I mean, a, there's ton, a of... ton of hype around Drake May. I don't think there's yeah. a ton of hype around the rest of the team. But like Ben, if you look up UNC, I mean, A, Drake May is amazing. What is interesting is they've got four starters on their offensive line returning, including one, their center, Corey Gaynor. He is back for his seventh year. <laughs> his seventh year. So they have 137 career starts. That is going to be an excellent offensive line 
Um, mm-hmm. The only well, they I allowed think, forty sacks last year, so yeah, they need to be better than they were. <laughs> the biggest question on their roster is going to be their receivers. They're losing a lot of talent at receiver. Um, Devontae Walker, he's probably their star player, and he played at Kent State last year. I think that's going to be the big question mark for them. And then I think the other thing is they're bringing in a new offensive coordinator and a new defensive coordinator. So you've got the mm-hmm. offensive line, you got the quarterback, you get some continuity there, but you're having to replace coordinators, you're having to replace receivers. We've seen this before, Ben, where like Sam Howell came in in his third year, like lit up the place, right? But then yep. his last year, UNC lost a bunch of players and he took a major step back and they finished off the year like six and seven. So I think UNC is going to be good. They've got nine starters back on offense, eight back on defense, but they got to figure out the receiver group. They got to figure out the coordinator stuff and they got to do it early because they start off with uh, South Carolina, the real USC. So Gene Chizik is still their defensive coordinator, right? He is not their defensive coordinator. He is an assistant head coach for the defense. Their defensive coordinator is Charleston Warren, Charlton Warren, who was at uh, Indiana. Wild. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, you have Gene Chizik there and Chip Lindsay. So I'm feeling like Chip a, Lindsay is a fantastic hire. Yeah. He's, he's an, an incredible play caller. He's yeah. done a great job everywhere he's been. When he was at Memphis, it was great. He was at Auburn. It was fun. Uh, look for some explosive plays from UNC. They'll figure out, you know, who their core wide receivers are and Drake may will get them the ball. I expect that North Carolina will be better than anyone's giving them credit for and the surprise yeah. contender in the ACC. The, the other possible issue with them is the schedule is tough early and it's tough late. They start off with South Carolina. They're going to get Appalachian State. That's no gimme. Appalachian State beat A&M last year. <laughs> um, A&M's terrible. And True, won't win. I mean, Appalachian State's going to come to play, and they play real defense. And Minnesota is going to be week three. Minnesota will play defense. They will punch you in the mouth. Yeah. And then after that, you're, they're going to go at Pitt, right? Even if they get through those games three and zero, that I think they could be beat up going into the game at Pitt. That's going to be tough. Now they get a bye week, and then coming off of the bye, they get Syracuse, Miami, UVA, all three at home at Georgia Tech, then they're going to get Campbell. They're going to win all those games. So it starts tough. It's really easy in the middle. Then they're going to end the year. Duke, they made that their homecoming game at Clemson (laughs) and at NC State. So, like, I like UNC, Ben, a lot. I think they got to figure out the receiver thing, the coordinator thing, the schedule could be what keeps them out of the ACC championship, though. Tell you what, man, that that Duke UNC game on November 11th should be a fun one. That that is going to be a dandy. Um, my surprise contender is Louisville. Um, for one, I think the world of Jeff Brom. I think he's an amazing head coach. I think the fact that Louisville got him away from Purdue is an incredible hire. Um, they're also bringing over Jack Plummer, who was a quarterback at Purdue. The biggest question mark for Louisville is the offense. Is, what's that? Was he at Cal and then Purdue? Yeah, was at Cal and then was at Purdue. Um, Yeah. So, 
At least sorry. I know he was at Cal. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. He was at Cal. Started at Cal, then went to Purdue. He's a world um, traveler. Yes. So, and by the way, he's he's like a fifth year senior. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you're getting a senior laden quarterback. The issue for Louisville is going to be they are going from kind of like this dual threat read option offense to Jeff Brom is going to flat out air it out and play spread football. They're not going to run the ball. I don't think he's um, I think in his years at uh, Purdue, I don't think he ever had a thousand yard rusher. Um, they never topped 152 rushing yards in a game. Three yards <laughs> a game. Never did that. Incredible. So they don't run a lot. It's all passing. But uh, Jamari Thrash has come over from Georgia State, had 1,100 yards last year. They're also bringing in Kevin Coleman from Jackson State, super talented player there. Um, and, and again, you've got Chris Bell coming back. You've got Jamari Thrash, Jamari Johnson at tight end. This is a talented group that he has assembled at Louisville. Um, and then they're bringing in Quincy Riley at defensive back, who was first team conference USA last year from middle Tennessee state. They've got a lot of just, again, hodgepodge of talent. The interesting thing is they start off with Georgia tech. They're going to play Murray state, Indiana and Boston college. There is potential Ben for them to start off the year four and O before they head to NC state. Like I, I think Louisville could get off to a hot start. They're going to get, Pittsburgh on the road, they avoid Clemson, and they avoid UNC this year. So avoiding those two games, I mean, and they're going to avoid Miami. So they're avoiding they two good tough home. games. They're getting some tough – their tough games are going to get at home except for Pitt. Like, I could very possibly see Louisville being like a two-loss conference team. Like, I think hmm. they're going to be really good. Yeah, they – uh if they Notre Dame this year, is Notre Dame worth a crap? They were at the end of the year. They also lost to Marshall last year. <laughs> um, I guess we'll see how that right. game goes. They have them at home, though. Hottest seat, Ben. Mm, hottest seat? Probably UVA. But Tony I want to go with Virginia Tech because they just suck. Brent Pry. Also, okay. also uh, a lot of a lot of Hokie Nation for some reason, love this guy um, uh, for the way that I see it. I, I hope they give him a Mel Tucker deal, uh, extend his contract for the next 40 years and please never win another game. Um, um, between the two, between the state of Virginia, the whole dang thing is on fire. You might as well call it California. I mean, Tech, it's going to be tough. So, (laughs) well, in in the schedule, it's a workable schedule to start. It's also equally possible Tech could start off the year one and three. They start off with ODU, Purdue, at Rutgers, at Marshall. ODU for the win. ODU's got a two-game win win streak on them, right? Yeah. Yeah. So... But the thing is, it's though, not going to surprise well, anyone when ODU beats them. No, none of those games are automatic wins. But if they aren't two and two or better, Ben, you're going to be one and three with three losses to some conglomerate of ODU, Purdue, Rutgers, and Marshall. Yeah. And then 
you are that heading into a home game with Pitt at Florida State and home against Wake Forest. Yeah, well, the crazy thing is Virginia Tech plays two of the worst teams in the Big Ten, but they probably will lose one of those. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I do think Purdue's going to be hot garbage this year. Same with Rutgers. But they're getting Rutgers on the road, and Purdue they're getting early. Purdue can at, Purdue can at least have some talent Score. on that team. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I can I see I, Virginia Tech going 0-4. I think the big thing for Virginia Tech is going to be Chiron Drones coming in from Baylor. Um, last year, they brought in Grant Wells from Marshall at quarterback. He they, he could never figure it out. The offense was an absolute disaster. So they're bringing in the Baylor transfer. He wasn't the full-time starter last year. Um, he should be the runaway favorite to win the quarterback job. They've mm-hmm. got to get better play out of that quarterback position. The one thing they do have, and they're very strong at it, is going to be receiver. They've got good enough receivers. And I would say the offensive line isn't even that bad either. But, like, if you don't come out week one, if you are Chiron Drones, if he doesn't come out and throw for 300-plus yards against ODU in week one, I think you're going to know right off the bat you got another issue because the receivers are talented enough. The offensive line is good enough. You should be able to throw for 300 or more yards against ODU. There's um, a there's a non-zero chance that the Commonwealth Cup is two winless teams. It's yeah, it's very possible. Well, so, <laughs> I, I don't think Tech's going to be winless. I don't think they'll be I think they could be winless. Who's a guaranteed well, win? No one. I I think they're going to beat Syracuse. Um, and I I don't see them losing to ODU this year. I mean, ODU almost fired their coach last year. They're they're not a like I know ODU beat them and like there's this whole thing, but ODU's not like this good group of five team with a bunch of players. No, they're not. They're kind of garbage. They are. They are the Achilles heel to Virginia Tech. Fun story. Their coach, ODU's coach, um, is actually the cousin of my coach at work. Huh. Or my former coach at work. Look at that. Shout out to Virginia's for lovers. Good guy. All right. My my hottest seat goes to Mario Cristobal. What? He had a they love him down there and he had an incredible recruiting class. It's his second year. Here's the thing. If you start off week two and you've lost to A&M again, how confident are you in the rest of the year? I mean, it's going to be tough. I also think, too, these are some amazing stats about Cristobal. Coming off of a loss at Miami, he's 1-5. and five. Overall, he's 24-36. and 36. When he loses a game, the next game, he loses that more often than not. Coming off of a bye week, which I've always said, if you look at any coach, if you want to know whether or not you've got a good coach, look at his record coming off of a bye week. There is not a single capable coach that has a losing record coming off of a bye week. Mario Cristobal, off of a bye week, 9-11. and 11. His overall record is 67-67. and 67. Most of his wins, by the way, come at home. 
I don't think there's any way you look at those stats and feel confident about Cristobal. And I know he recruits, and I know all of that stuff. But if they come out week two and they're getting crapped on by Texas A&M, <laughs> and then they go at UNC on October 14th and they drop that one, then the week after they're getting Clemson, who's coming off a bye week, they're losing that. They will get Virginia, so there's a win. And then they're going to go at NC State, at Florida State, Louisville at home. I think they're losing at least two of those three games. Like, I look at this schedule, Ben, and I think Miami is 6-6, six and six, and I don't buy into Tyler Van Dyke as being like the comeback player of the year in the ACC or whatever they want to call it. I just don't see it. I don't think Miami is going to be very good, despite the fact that they've got 19 returning starters. 19 returning starters from a five and seven team does not really impress me very much. Um, a very serious question about Miami's schedule. How do you schedule traveling to Temple? Well, the same way Oklahoma played, I think Oklahoma played at Tulsa last year. Why? Now that, that I can't answer. I mean, okay. Temple's in Philly. Yeah, so they maybe they just stadium. looked at it as a branding or whatever. I don't know. Gabe should be happy. I maybe there's recruits up in Philly. <laughs> I mean, most football recruits are in Florida. I think Miami yeah. would just want to stay there, but whatever. Um, <laughs> such a weird, such a weird, like at home type deal. Yeah, they do a home and home temple. <laughs> ACC, baby. Yeah. I, I mean, so back to the schedule. The other thing I think that's playing a factor here, Ben, is Miami, I think, is going to be fighting all year long to have a winning record. Meanwhile, I think Florida State, there's a very good possibility, will be in the discussion for the college football playoff. And okay. at the same time, I think Billy Napier is going to be in trouble, too. And I think if you are a Miami fan and booster and you look around and you go, okay, Florida State's in the playoff and Florida's looking for a new head coach. If there is a guy out there that you want, assuming you start to believe Cristobal's not the guy, do you let Florida go get him and potentially set you back further? And then are you not also looking at the landscape of realignment going on Florida State has showed you. I mean, this past week, the craziest thing of all, they might dip into Saudi Arabia money. Like, I think mm -hmm. one of the funniest tweets I've ever seen of all time is the only city with Allah in the name is Tallahassee. That came out after Florida State was potentially getting like Saudi Arabia money. So they're going towards that. Why? To basically buy out of being in the ACC. They want to pay out to get out of that conference. Mm -hmm. And here Miami is stuck under a contract with Mario Cristobal. If you're six and six at the end of the year, I don't think he feels very safe. Mm -hmm. I think Mario Cristobal will be given at least four years at Miami. They, they put down palm tree leaves and everything for this guy. He was Which welcomed back dumb. as the second coming. So and dumb. Look, he's got ties to there. He went to school there when he was in college or whatever. So, you know, the the prodigal son has come home and he's going to take them to the promised land. So, so, so many biblical references in that statement. Have fun yeah. just tying them all together. 
However, if you look at Florida, the University of Florida, Gator Nation, sure, maybe they fire their head coach, but they're bringing the lane train to town, and I don't think Miami wants anything to do with that. So it's not a problem. So most exciting team, Ben? Most exciting team in the ACC? Uh, FSU? Just because, man, like, I hate FSU, by the way. Uh, so screw those guys. Uh, that chant, annoying. I know it's the same as the Braves. I don't go to Braves games specifically because of it. Oh my God. So FSU as a team, I know a lot of guys that went to FSU. Uh, they are always thinking they're better than they are. This year, they might actually be worth a crap. And they have, you know, nine starters back on a defense that was very good. They have a, a significant portion of their offense returning very dynamic players, uh, eight starters on offense, nine on defense. So you basically get the same team that they had last year. And that team was very, very good. They, they performed incredibly well and had chances to knock off a handful of very good teams last year as well. Florida State's going to be the most exciting team to watch in the ACC. It's between them and Clemson. I think you're I right. I say this. That, that in-season game between Florida State and Clemson, I know we're coming up on it. It's my game of the year. September 23rd. Oh, that's going to be an insane game. Um, I will say this. Florida State is going to open with LSU. And I think LSU wins that game, Ben. Yep. In fact, I feel pretty confident. But it is in Orlando. So maybe Florida State has the fans. But if Florida State beats LSU to open up the year, immediately it is going to be FSU is back from everybody in the country. And and I'm rooting for it because FSU, I think, is one of the best brands in college football. I think it's the swagger of USC um, mixed with the tradition of Texas and the fandom of an SEC school. It's one of the most fascinating programs in all of college football. So I hope it happens. And I, I do think you're right. I think they're very exciting. My most exciting team, though, is Pitt. Um, just because they're, they're the craziest team. Like, if you <laughs> look at this roster, Ben, there's nothing about this roster I should love. They're kind of like, they're like Oklahoma State, right? They never have like a big coveted, like five-star recruit that comes into pit. And if they do, like a Jordan Addison, he bolts for USC the second people start to hear his name, right? They're never going to have that. It is a bunch of just three-star recruits that are coached up really, 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 really well. And they always are capable at quarterback. And I just think Pat Narduzzi is maybe the best game planner or the best scheme designer in the ACC. Like, I just think it's creative. It's fun. They score a lot of points. They are going to play North Carolina on September 23rd. I think, Ben, there could be 100 combined points scored in that game. Pitt only has five <laughs> starters returning, only five on defense. Um, North Carolina doesn't have a great defense. They're strong everywhere else. They're going to score points. Pitt is going to score points because they always do. 
Um, we remember that game last year against Tennessee, Ben, where like the second half, it was just constant back and forth. Um, they get into these shootout games. They've done that in the past. I, I think Pitt's just going to be fascinating every week because you don't know, are you going to get a Pitt team that shows up and just shellacks a good team? Or they could equally like get upset going on the road to Pitt. Last year, they lost to Georgia Tech and they beat Miami 42 to 16. <laughs> and they played Tennessee close. Yep. I mean, you just you never know what pit team's gonna show up week in a week out. I think it's I think it's amazing. I don't know if that's as exciting as it is infuriating, especially if you're a pit fan, but true. Uh. Best game, mine is gonna be Florida State versus LSU because I think really? whoever wins that okay. game, then whoever wins it. I mean, A, it's week one. I love opening up week one with a bang. But mm-hmm. whoever wins that, the hype around that team and fans is going to be hilarious. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that's going to be a good revenge game uh, or potential revenge game for FSU, but we'll see what happens. I think LSU will probably win it as well. Uh, mine is going to be the FSU-Clemson game because that decides really who is going to go to the ACC championship game. And yeah. win it. So between those two, here's here's the weird thing. So maybe FSU beats LSU and then gets dropped by Clemson. They're in the well, title talks. They're they're potentially playoff bound without even winning a conference championship. So that's going to be very interesting. Well, even if they get dropped by Clemson, for them to get into the playoff, they're going to have to win out and then get a rematch with Clemson because there's no divisions anymore. Or they take them out in ACC? Yeah, no divisions anymore. Oh. Yeah. Oh, so well, there you go. Yeah. I mean, you're going to have to beat Clemson either on the 23rd or late later in the year. Twice, or at least once. Uh, only yeah, at least once. Um, it, will Florida State be allowed to take their band to Clemson? I don't know. Does Death Valley allow opposing teams bands or whatever? I don't know, but I, I mean, they're the top the, of the field. They play the chant on the like. I mean, the Braves games they've got the chant, but it's just the fans that do it. Yeah. Florida State games, it's the freaking band like playing this chant as loud as they possibly can. And it's a it, massive, never been massive band. I never want to go. I mean, the, the band is massive and it's constant. It's all game long. If they're taking yeah. the band, I think it's it reduces Clemson's home field advantage by one point. <laughs> so Clemson still wins by two touchdowns. Ah, no, 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 no. That's a three point <laughs> game no matter what. Player of the year. Ooh. Uh, you go first. Well, I will say this about player of the year in the ACC. So we did big 12 last week and I, I don't think there's a lot of just great individual players in the big 12. There's a lot of fun teams. The ACC has maybe not some great teams, um, or at least not a lot of depth, but you've got some great players that could all win it. I mean, Drake may, at UNC, who is my pick, by the way, is just an incredible prospect. But I will say this, if Clemson gets back to the playoff, it's going to be because of Will Shipley, who, because of that name, because of that paw print on the side of his head, he's going to be in the Heisman contention if that happens. Um, But then there's Florida State. So if Florida State knocks off Clemson and they win the conference, I think it will be because of Jordan Travis playing amazing. 
So Jordan Travis, I think, could enter that conversation. So my pick is uh, Drake Maybin, but I think there's uh, a lot of really interesting um, players in this. And if you wanted to just like take a shot, kind of like a dark horse shot, I think putting some money on like a Riley Leonard or a Trey Benson from Florida State, whatever the odds are on ACC Player of the Year, I think those are some great odds to take. Okay. So uh, because you took the players that I was going to say, I was going to go with uh, UNC's quarterback, Drake, uh, Drake May. May, and then I was going to go secondary FSU's quarterback, uh, and then potentially so Jordan Travis, and then potentially uh, Kate Klubinick. But because you already covered all of them, and I covered them, <laughs> I am going to go with the player that I pronounced earlier, Phil Jerkovic. There you go. Get ready, Pitt the fans. Only, the only reason Ben went with him, it's got none, nothing to do with the BS he just threw out there. That that's That is a facade. The only reason Ben is doing that is because he wanted another opportunity to say that name. <laughs> you saw, if we could go to instant replay, you saw the need earlier that Ben had to say Phil Jerkovich's name. Jerkovic. I need to say it. I still don't think I'm saying it right. Or I don't even know if you are. Phil, tweet us and give us a pronunciation. If I'm us. not, I'm closer than you. Post us? What, what? is the new X things? Whatever. What? Don't use X. Send us stuff on Facebook or, or Instagram. I think it's just called post now on X. I don't think there's tweets. It's dumb. All right. Are there any other teams we wanted to talk about? Should we talk about NC State? The Wolfpack? The Wolfpack. You know, oh, they're, you br- to, here's, here's my issue with NC State. So they're losing Devin Leary. Um, he's transferred to Kentucky. I think that's a big loss. And there's a lot of excitement about them bringing in Brennan Armstrong and UVA offensive coordinator Robert Anae. Now, Brennan Armstrong was the quarterback at UVA, and he did throw for his single-season record um, for UVA of close to 4,500 passing yards, which is great. But you want to know why he threw for so many passing yards? Because UVA was losing in just literally about every single game (laughs) they were in. So, yes, he threw for a ton of passing yards. Um, I, I, I think they're going to be okay, Ben. I don't think they're going to be bad, but the schedule's tough. Week one, they're going to go at UConn and play against Jim Mora, and that UConn team is no joke. Like, they might be seven and five, eight and four. They are going to punch somebody in the mouth. Week two, they come home to play Notre Dame. That's not easy. September 29th, they're going to play Louisville at home. October 14th, they're going to go at Duke, and Duke will be off a bye. Then October 28th, they will get Clemson at home. Week after, they get Miami. Week after that, they go at Wake. And then November 25th, they're going to host North Carolina. So, like, I look at NC State, and they feel like, Ben, they honestly feel like a 6-6, and 7-5 and five team to me. They do not feel like a compete for the ACC title again. I know they did this a couple years ago and I know last year they had a really good team, but I just, I don't see it this year. 
um, where they're going to knock off a Florida State or a Clemson. I think they're going to take a major step back this year. Yeah, probably. But I don't know if they were really that great last year anyway. Like I said, after you get past uh, FSU and Clemson or Clemson and FSU, whichever order you want to put them in, it's kind of a crapshoot of who you want to rank where because yeah. the rest of the ACC is like, meh. So you can put NC State at number four like I did, or you can, or maybe they're number five, and you can put them at number eight or nine. They're they're, they're not going to be amazing because no one else is. Let's talk about Duke. Oh, yeah. Blue Devils. Um, I'm fascinated with Duke this year. Duke won nine games last year, and they have 18, 18 returning starters this year. Um, on top of that, I think they have probably potentially the strongest or the deepest rather receiving core in the ACC and maybe the best receiver in the ACC in Jalen Calhoun. Um, he's going to be a second round draft pick in the NFL most likely. I mean, he's really, really, really good. Um, so I, like the strength of this team is the receiving core. Um, to put it in perspective, Eli Pancall could start on any other ACC team and he's buried on this depth chart. So they've got great receivers. They've got Riley Leonard coming back at quarterback. He is a dual threat quarterback, can do just about everything. Um, the only big loss for this team is they're losing Shaka Howard at linebacker. I think that's an issue. But Mike Elko was the defensive coordinator at Texas A&M. If there's one area of the ball he can fix, it's going to be that. Um, they bring in a new defensive coordinator. See about that, but I think they're going to be okay. The difference is they're going from last year. They only played two or only beat two teams that made a ball. This year, they're going to play Clemson, Notre Dame, NC State, Florida State, Louisville, North Carolina, Pitt, and a lot of those games on the road. Um, I just think the schedule is so much tougher than it was last year. I don't see any way they can win more than nine games this year. I think they'll win some games. I think they'll be very competitive, but I don't think they can get, I don't think they can improve on last year's numbers. Nothing to add. Nothing to add. <laughs> At least better than there you go. There you go. Yeah. It should also be noted last year they had, I think their defense ranked like 125th in the country. That can't be right. Was it that bad? Maybe I, I don't. I think it was that bad. So they've got. I mean, they only have one way to go on defense, and that's that is and, true. <laughs> yeah, can't be much worse than that. Um, all right. Any other ACC thoughts here, Ben? Any teams we haven't covered? Uh, I'm really looking forward. Clemson? We talked about, by the way, we talked about Clemson in our top in the 10 preview. preseason. Yeah. Yeah. We talked about so Clemson and FSU in the preseason. We did. Um, I'm, I'm honestly looking forward to seeing exactly what happens with conference realignment for the ACC. Uh, guaranteed something will come out tomorrow now that we've covered them on this podcast. And this, hold on. Before you go any further, Ben, this is a yep. great point that you just brought up. For years, and I mean years, Ben and I have been doing these previews and Ben every single year we do this within about two to three days of us doing the preview, 
there is some big news that comes out. We did Big 12 last week, and since then they've added like 20 new programs. We did the, and we did like the pack. No, we did the Big Ten. I think the week before that, and since then they've added two teams. So there's going to be. And by the way, when we did the Big Ten, all the crap about Northwestern came out. Yep. Like right after. So I mean, like I'm telling you guys, something with some ACC team. Watch it next 48, 72 hours. There's going to be some news that might be realignment, might be something completely on nobody's radar that's going to come out. Yeah, look at it. Uh, Clemson and FSU are joining the SEC, and then the rest of the ACC are going back to the Big East. Done. Maybe they'll join the Big 12. Who knows? All right. There's your ACC preview. So next week, we will conclude our conference previews with the Pac-2. Pac-2. And then, let's see. So then we're off on the 20th so nothing on the 20th i'm out of town i'll tell you what we should do at some point between the 20th and the 26th you know the season starts on the 26th right week zero wild we are close so i know at some point between then we should do a group of five preview something short maybe we each pick five group of five teams Mm-hmm. Do you be open to it? Oh yeah. Okay. Cool. Give a Is it preview. possible we get some social media content between now and then? Maybe. Maybe. Okay. Well, that fifth we'll string. Take I'm back to fifth string. No, you stop with the fifth string. <laughs> stop this. Stop this. We need people to lift Ben up. Am I too hard on Ben on the podcast? Should we put up a poll? No. No? Okay. I don't All do right. any prep work, and I don't do the one thing I was tasked with doing, which is making, but I, making I visual do, aids. I can't do this. Whoa. That's weird. Yeah. Isn't it? I don't like this. Right. Put it back. There we go. That's better. Okay. This was the fourth string podcast. So thank you all for listening. We will be back next week with our Pack 2 preview. Adios.